Hello, this is Dr. Carla Johnston. I want to welcome you personally and thank you for joining me today. In this podcast, we'll be exploring information, ideas, and strategies to identify our unique and individual approach to living a nourished life. I'll be discussing topics that enhance our mind, body, and spirit. So let's have a bigger conversation, one that expands and brings more joy, happiness, and a sense of well-being. I'm delighted that you're here. So let's get started. Hi, and thank you for joining me. This is the first episode in February, and many people in February think of heart health or cardiovascular health in this month. This week, I actually was asked to give a talk on heart health. And of course, one of the inputs, one of many, was nutrition. And I thought that would be a great time to dedicate an episode to literally what is on our plate. In previous episodes, we've looked at life's plate, all of the influences that impact our health through our different inputs in life, you know, the nourishment nines that I speak about. And in this episode, I want to take a moment and talk about literally what is on the plate. In many of my nutrition talks, I cite an article which I found really interesting and has some profound information. It was in the Lancet in 2019, and it was uh, included over 40 countries and over 200 scientists. So they took a lot of information. And there are a couple of key takeaways for me that I use in my presentations and that I keep in the back of my mind when I'm talking about what we're putting on the plate. And their conclusion then was that one in five people die worldwide due to poor diet. And that is more people than die from smoking, cardiovascular, and other conditions. So it's pretty profound that a poor diet is linked to mortality, which I think a lot of us intellectually know. The other key takeaway for me was their conclusion that it's not only what is not on the plate versus what is on the plate. In other words, it's what's missing that increases the nutrient deficiencies, not exactly what's on the plate. So I wanted to take an episode and really dive deep through the habits, the hype, and how these all impact health. Now, all of us have had conversations or pretty much know the protein, carb, and healthy fat that we put on our plate. What I'd like to ask is, what do your plates look like? So if you think about that for a minute, each time we create a plate of food, we get to make a choice. And what we gravitate to could be from a habit. It may be the way that we're used to eating or the foods that we'd like to eat or it may be that we eat pre-prepared foods because of time or whatever that looks like. So what is the habit that we bring to our plate? And is it due to the hype that's out there? In my opinion, in this time, we live in a headline sound bites, no pun intended, where people will take a snippet of information and put it out there. For example, I reduced my cholesterol with this type of diet. Or I was able to lose a lot of weight on this type of diet. My A1C was reduced with this type of diet. And while I find that helpful, and I congratulate the success for sure, for me, it's an invitation to a bigger exploration of what that looked like. Because what worked for that person may not work 
for you, or it may not work for me based on all of those other inputs. And so there can be hype out there that, well, on this vegetarian diet, this is the way you need to eat, or you need to be vegan, or you need to eat keto, or you need to eat Adkins, whatever it, insert whatever that is in here. And so the hype becomes, I need to go follow that. And you may want to explore and see if that really applies to the way you like to eat, if you can sustain it, if it's not going to exacerbate any other current underlying condition you have, and so on and so forth. So again, we go back to this uniquely nourishing piece. There are some overarching concepts that I like to revisit, not only for myself and when I'm working with people, and that is that we want our plate to be extremely colorful and vibrant with a variety of foods and many foods that may not be on the top of our mind when we're planning or cooking foods, right? So I always talk about nutrient-dense foods, um, vitamins and minerals for sure, antioxidants, the colorful, the bright, colorful foods. So the antioxidants protect our cells. And these nutrient-dense foods we need because our cells need to be made every day. And that is what's going to feed that process. So we want these nutrient-dense foods every day, which are I call them multitaskers. So one food may have many vitamins and minerals in it. So it is imperative that we have a variety in our diet. So we want the vegetables, we want fruits, we want nuts and seeds and beans and whole grains. So from the antioxidant perspective, I also have conversations with people about fiber because sometimes fiber gets lost in the conversation or isn't thought of at the top of the head. I mean, I remember as a kid, my grandmother would always say, eat your roughage. And I didn't understand it then, and I certainly do now, that fiber is really important to our diet. It's extremely important for our gut health. For those that are interested in weight management, fiber can play a key role in that. And it, it assists us with our blood sugar regulation. So fiber, I always say, is the unsung hero and can easily be forgotten. And there are many foods that have fiber, right? So we have vegetables, whole grains, and beans. So when we look at our plate and I see, you know, does it have these vegetables? Can I have some fruit there? Nuts and seeds and beans and whole grains. All of those I can take a look at on my plate. And all of those come in colorful varieties. And that's, you know, when you think antioxidant, you think bright colors with berries, right? That's how a lot of people think of that. So we also know that there are certain things that can be inflammatory for many people, and that is sugar, processed foods, and gluten. So on a continuum, for some people they can have a little, and for some people they can't have any. Those can tend to be inflammatory. What sugar can do additionally is it can send signals to the brain, obviously, that, hey, I really like this, and and I'd really like more. And then it, that message becomes really loud. We know there's a, a gut-brain connection. So sugar can disrupt that by increasing inflammation and then sending the signal to the brain, hey, I want more of this. And it's a pretty loud signal. For people that miss sugar, they will explain to you how loud that signal can be. So there are ways to reduce that. There are foods that can help minimize some of those sugar cravings. For example, bitter greens when we add bitter greens into our diet, it can help dampen that signal for the sugar. And again, depending on your condition, you can have a little bit of bitter greens. You, have, you might have to be careful with some cardiovascular conditions. 
So that's why I really stay with uniquely nourishing because each of us arrives with certain requirements that we need in our diet, what we need on the plate for nutrition, and others we need to be cautious of, some we may not be aware of that are creating inflammation in our diet and in our bodies and these signals. We also know that what we eat can impact our mood. I recently read a headline on on one of the social media posts with someone who was upset about how everyone is simplifying that if you don't eat sugar, it will improve your mood and reduce depression. And I agreed with that. I agreed that it is not that simple. And we don't want to make it so that, well, if you don't eat sugar, you can reduce the depression or you can reduce anxiety. And once you do that, if it doesn't work, then, you know, what, what is that person supposed to do? So I agreed with that. What I like to say is it's a great invitation to take a look at the hype or the success story, if you will, and would that apply to me? Is it sustainable for me? And then with regard to habits, this is where we, you know, we talked about action steps in a previous episode. This is where I can start to see pushback. If I'm going to create something, for example, I'm going to add one new vegetable to every meal. If I consistently don't achieve that, what's standing in my way? Is it something that I really want to do? And a lot of times we'll say, I don't have the time. And so I'm going to push back on that. I'm going to ask you to challenge yourself about time. So in my presentation, the feedback on this particular statement was that it was extremely helpful. So I thought I would share it with you. So all of us are, are very busy and have many things that we need to do during the day. And sometimes food preparation or cooking whole foods takes longer than, you know, pulling something out of the freezer department at the grocery store. So it's a time thing. Like I really don't have the time. I'm busy and I do the best I can with what I have. And I appreciate that. And so my question is, if you had a heart palpitation, really uncomfortable one, I don't know if anyone who wouldn't make the time to take care of it, like stop everything you're doing to seek medical attention, which would be the absolute right thing to do. And we would make time for that. And the heart just beats behind the scenes. We rarely know it's there until there might be a problem. And so with nourishment in our lives and specifically nutrition on our plate, all of that goes toward our heart being healthy, our digestive system being healthy, our immune system being healthy, and so on and so forth. So when we say we don't have the time, I'm going to challenge you to say, what are you spending the time on? And can you make some allowances to support overall arching health goals? So then it becomes a habit. And it doesn't have to start out where I'm going to throw everything out of the pantry. I find that that may not be helpful and hasn't been helpful for many people. It's what can I do based on where I am and what I'm going to go forward. So adding one new vegetable or preparing a vegetable in a different way so it tastes differently. Or I'm going to, instead of having meat at every meal for my protein, I'm going to pull in some beans and some vegetables and I'm going to try a couple of meals in a different way that have a different source of protein. Nuts and seeds. Hmm, I don't eat a lot of nuts and seeds. Perhaps I could prepare a small handful of nuts and seeds and have that as a snack for that midday 
slump that I have instead of having to go to the vending machine and keep my willpower up so that I don't select something that has some sugar in it. So those that know me, and I've talked about this, it's good, better, best. And I find the judgment isn't so helpful to say, I'm really bad at this. I don't feel like that helps us to motivate forward. What does is on this plate today, I'm going to try three colors. I'm going to try purple and red and orange. And the next day I might add green or whatever it is. And to have fun with it, you want the food to be delicious. And where it goes into health is it can take a minute, it can take just a bit of time to shift our taste buds. So if I'm used to prepackaged foods that are higher in sodium and higher in sugar, then it can take a moment to change my taste buds so that foods that I'm making myself taste delicious. So if I'm used to a takeaway burger and I'm going to have sauteed bitter greens, right? There's a big continuum there on the taste bud continuum. If I have the takeaway burger for lunch and at dinner, I decide that I'm going to have something rich in beans and vegetables and some fruit, that's how we can shift what we're doing. Now, I know it takes planning for when we're going to shop. I suggest it takes planning on when you're going to actually prepare foods and then cook because sometimes we can pre-prepare things and have them ready to go to be cooked later in the refrigerator. And as you know, I've talked about this also. When I cook, so I'm single and by myself, when I cook, I cook double and triple batches so that I can freeze them individually and put them in the freezer for those days where it's a long day. I can't imagine being in the kitchen right now, and I'm super hungry. And so I can pull out my own meal that I pre-prepared in the freezer. I know exactly what's in it. So that's how we take the habit and turn that into health. And we use the hype. We use these stories to influence us to be able to explore really what's going on. Because there are certain pieces of a lot of these plans that could be applicable for us and then others that are not. So it's really taking a look at what the information is, just like we've done on all of these other inputs, these other things in our lives for the nourishment. And then we're taking a look and making the decision at every meal, at every plate, what that's going to look like. And if it's not exactly how we thought it was going to be, we get to change it on the next plate and the next and the next. And we know, based on these studies, that when we have a variety-rich, nutrient-dense foods diet, that it improves our overall health And I mentioned, you know, the cardiovascular and brain health. A lot of people will report when they've shifted that they feel clearer, that the brain fog has lifted, or they're having less issues in the digestive system, less gut issues. They're starting to feel like they have more energy. They feel more positive. They're sleeping better. And with what's on the plate, I always add hydration here because I feel like it can be also the forgotten piece. So we want to make sure that we stay hydrated. We know that dehydration can lead to hunger signals. So we want to cultivate hunger so that when we eat, we are supplying our bodies with all of these nutrients and vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and fiber and all the things that I just talked about that help our bodies, tissues heal when they need to heal, remain in optimal health, and then support everything that we're asking our bodies to do each day. And then when we sleep, we regenerate 
and tissues heal, and then we start the new day with all of the new beautiful choices that we have. So you can see how this information that's out there that can be really helpful, I always say go beyond the headline. Really, how would that apply to you? And there's lots of resources out there to really decide how that's going to work for you, how you're going to be able to put your action steps together, where it's going to matter for your health. And if you have a condition, is it going to exacerbate that condition? Is it going to support that condition? How do you figure out if you're sensitive to certain types of foods? And how do you work that out? And then make decisions based on how it's impacting you. With medications, you want to watch to make sure there's no contraindications, right? To the best of your ability. And if you're missing any nutrients by taking medication, you just want to add those into your diet. And the beautiful thing about many of these foods with nuts and seeds and whole grains and vegetables is that I always say they're multitaskers. There's usually not you eat this for this vitamin. Usually there's lots of vitamins and minerals in a food and fiber in vegetables. So they, I would say they do more than double duty. And then you get your macronutrients in there. So I hope you found this helpful. I hope you are invited when you hear the hype that you do some exploration so that you can create your habits and it eventually leads to improved optimal health that supports your body. So I am excited about your choices that you're going to be making and how colorful your plates are going to be and your enjoyment of trying new things. You're going to explore and experiment. And with that, I'm going to say happy, healthy plates. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast through your favorite app store, or you can sign up through my website, drcarlajohnston.com. I hope you're leaving with some great ideas and information that will bring happiness and a sense of well-being into your life. Music for this podcast has been provided by the Petrichor and their beautiful song, Always Searching. Have a fantastic day. Until next time.